Yo, partnership alert, partnership alert, partnership alert. Living Corporate has a partnership with LinkedIn Learning, an American massive open online course provider that provides video courses taught by industry experts across a wide array of subjects. Now, the partnership is because Living Corporate has courses on LinkedIn Learning focused on diversity, equity, inclusion for leaders, career professionals, and anyone really looking to upskill themselves and be better allies. So make sure you check out our courses on LinkedIn Learning by clicking the link in the show notes. And let's just say you don't want to do that. You go to LinkedIn Learning on LinkedIn, search Living Corporate. We'll be right there. All right. Peace. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. And listen, you know, if you're listening to this in real time, you're listening to this in the fall, in October. And typically for depending on your your schedule at your job, this is typically when you start getting ready for your annual performance reviews. You're you're thinking about, um, you know, your year and what you've been able to accomplish in this year. Right. Because honestly, Frankly, October is like the last month where work really happens because you got to think about in November, it's like half of that month is gone because you got Thanksgiving and people in and out. And then December, just forget about it. Right. Like people are taking off and then, you know, you're really not really picking up work for real until mid January. At least that's how it was when I was a consultant, you know, it's like we would work with these organizations, work with clients. And, you know, you had up until about Halloween. And after Halloween, you maybe had like two or three weeks. And even those weeks were like maintenance weeks. They weren't really like you really getting into it. Right. And I I think that's just true. Like I even in education, right, like we're starting to get ready for the holiday break. And so I bring all this up to say, as you think about your efforts this year, as you think about what you were able to accomplish, make sure that you honor yourself by giving yourself credit for what you were able to do. There are going to be plenty of people who tell you, who give some justification as to why what you're, what you were doing or what you did was not up to snuff or was not as impactful as you believe it is. Don't join in that chorus. There's enough people singing that song, right? Make sure that you honor yourself by telling your story effectively, by bringing in context and being measured and honest with yourself about the value that you created. So often black and brown people, we we work in these very strained contexts where we're not really able to deviate from um, respectable or acceptable behavior at near the variation that our white and white uh, passing counterparts are. And so that creates tension as it pertains to just our own sense of belonging and ability to feel safe at work, which then, of course, directly correlates to our ability to deliver. So I want you to hear me that if you're listening to this and you've made it this far, you have delivered impact Do not let anyone diminish or tell you otherwise. You have done extraordinarily well by simply showing up. Right. Um I I want you to really hear that that storytelling and being able to tell your story is critical in your own development is critical in your own career.
And so, and also don't lose, don't lose sight of the fact that oftentimes your ability to tell your own story is the biggest uh, gap that blocks you from getting to whatever next thing you want. Not to say that, you know, racism and this and, and bias and misogyny, patriarchy and people just being exploitative through the very means and machinations of capitalism aren't barriers for you. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, is that your ability to tell your story and tell it to the right people, if you have those right people around again, some of this just has to do with privilege and luck um, who can then understand your story and then retell it at the tables that you don't have access to will benefit you greatly. And so I don't want you to lose sleep. I don't want you to lose sight of the fact that storytelling in this moment and honoring yourself through effective storytelling by telling your own story is paramount for your own success, right? Whatever that success looks like for you. It doesn't matter. Irrespective of how you define success, you being able to tell your story will be a critical part of you achieving that success. With that being said, I'm really excited about like the conversation we we were able to have today, what I'm bringing to you today, that we're bringing to you today, Aaron, clean all that up, my fault, that we're bringing to you today with uh, Misha, Misha Brown, who is the president of PCI Media. Now, for those who don't know, PCI Media is um, it's an organization focused on combining the power of storytelling and technology for social change around the world. Um, they partner with all types of global and international organizations. Misha Brown, who is the president of PCI Media, she has this unwavering commitment to education as like the foundational means uh, to empower people to realize their own potential and also just to realize uh, the potential for global impact. And so I really appreciate it. Our discussion, you can, you'll probably hear me gush a bit like with Misha, because like I think similar to, to Jacqueline, um, just a phenomenal communicator and someone who I could just tell, like some people, they come in with these interviews and they kind of just hit their points. Right. And that could be for various reasons. Maybe they're just new. They've never done a podcast before, so They're nervous. Uh, some of it is like, you know, they're just they're media trained and like they're going to, you know, not really kind of stray away from the, the two and the four on the, uh, the ten and two on the steering wheel. And then there are other people who come in and they just have like real authentic conversations with you. And I, I felt I felt the authenticity in our discussion. And I was really just. I was really appreciate. I felt warmer leaving that discussion that I started. And so um, with that being said, we're going to tap in with Tristan first. And then after that, what you're going to hear is my discussion with Misha Brown, president of PCI Media. Talk to you soon. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. Today, I want to discuss why you may not be getting interviews even though you know you're qualified for the role. Have you ever been in a position where you know you have the experience for the role, spend time tailoring your resume and cover letter, and submit your application only to receive the standard rejection email from the company? Has that happened to you time and time again? 
Do you feel defeated, like you should give up or you have no real options? Well, there are a few things you may be doing that could be blocking your blessing of getting an interview. The first thing is underselling yourself. Many job seekers have a hard time talking about themselves and often will discount their skills or achievements. This is common because most of us grew up being told that talking about ourselves comes off as bragging and no one likes a bragger. But believe me, if there was anywhere you should be bragging, it's your resume. Otherwise, recruiters or hiring managers may assume you don't have the experience even though you do. You have to shift your perspective and understand that sharing your skill set or accomplishments, even if you've only done it a few times or worked on a team to accomplish it, will paint the picture that you're qualified for the role you're seeking. The second thing is that you may be using jargon in your resume. Almost every company, organization, or industry has its own language and way of speaking. After being in a certain position or with the same company for enough time, we don't even see that we're speaking this language to others who may not understand it. If there are acronyms, phrases, results, or accomplishments that would be difficult for anyone outside your company to understand, it's your job to translate that and showcase how it aligns with the job you want. The last thing is that you have no strategy other than applying online. If you find yourself in a never-ending loop of tailoring your resume, applying, and being rejected, you have to reassess your strategy. With the average job posting getting anywhere from 150 to 250 applicants, it's easy to fade in the background and it's on you to find a way to stand out. I always suggest networking with people at the companies you want to work for to build authentic relationships and potentially land a referral. This can give you a leg up on the competition and make you more likely to snag that interview. This tip was adapted from an article in Forbes titled Why You're Not Getting Interviews When You're Qualified by Adunola Adeshala and was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Misha, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I am doing amazing. It's Friday. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for being here. So look, let's just start with your journey, you know, to, to PCI Media. What led you here today? So I'm an educator and I like to tell people I'm a good fairy. And mm -hmm. what we do at PCI Media marries both of those things. We help people learn through the magic of storytelling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm in my happy place. You know, it's, it's interesting because like living corporate, we believe that we believe the same thing. Like, you know, and beyond the belief, which is valid, um, beyond the belief, it's there's there's a, there's neuroscience to back it up. Right. That people remember stories. People remember, um, you know, things you tell them. Right. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're you may not remember, you know, my my accolades, whatever the case is. But if I tell you that, you know, I'm a first generation college graduate, I'm a second generation reader in my family. Um, my grandparents grew up picking cotton in Mississippi. Like those are things that are vivid, right? You're gonna you're gonna hold on to those pieces. Um, so so I love that. Um, you know, I, I believe that um, you know nonprofit work has to be some of the most thankless work, uh, but it often has some of the most giving and sacrificial folks. Can you talk to me about like what motivates you to to keep going and, and, and do this community centric work? Oh man. You, you know, I feel like I am who we serve. That's me. Mm. You know, I grew up 
one of 11 kids in West Texas with a single mom. Okay. You know, I grew up in the U.S., but I've carted my own water before. Mm. You know, I've spent a lot of nights without things that people and days would consider basic necessities. And it was because there were people in my life that helped me understand a different story about myself mm. that I am here today. Hmm. A different story about yourself. I mean, that really segues well. The tagline of PCI Media is you tell a story is tell a story. Change the world. Talk to me about what it means to you, what that tagline means to you and the value of storytelling in educational nonprofit contexts. Yeah. So, you know, Zach, when you were talking about, you know, the neuroscience behind storytelling, you know, not only do stories stick better, but stories predict behavior. Right. And we see this in marketing right? Like marketers tell us a story that they know is going to cause us typically to buy their product. So the stories that people believe about themselves, about the world, about their relationships with other people impact the way that they behave. And so by shifting this universe of imagination within people, and what I love about the way that we work at PCI is that we do it with people. So we're not creating stories outside of the cultural context, outside of the communities. People are co-creating this story with us and then they get to go walk into that story and walk it out. Because once you imagine it, once it's real in your imagination, it's easier to walk that path. You know, and I recognize, I recognize you sit in this executive position at a media organization, but I'll just tell you straight up, Misha, the way you talk, it just feels like every, the way you frame things, everything just feels like a warm, like a, like a warm cup of soup after a cold day or like a, like a nice, yeah, it just feels, I just feel warm every time you talk. I just, I, I appreciate that. I um, mean, it feels authentic uh, when you speak and, you know, of course, I mean, that, that's invaluable, but I'm just telling you, I just, it's incredible. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Thank I'm, you. No, listen, I, I, I give it where I give it where it's deserved. All right. So uh, <laughs> now look, these past 12 months, um, you know, they've been particularly challenging for a lot of us. You know, I think about, I think about the media space and like the living corpus of digital media network. And like, I think about like just the ways that media has like fundamentally had to shift and change some of our favorite shows. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of um, like Jesus and Mero, like a lot of things that like things have gone remote. Like talk to me about how PCI media has adapted, if at all, over the past year and a half or so. Yeah, definitely. So a couple of ways. And, I, and well, first of all, let me just tell this one example. So we have, we're in our sixth season uh, of a show called Oral Neg Negro, Black Gold, and Intranaves is sort of a spinoff, radio dramas all across Mozambique. We partner with UNICEF and Radio Mozambique and the Ministry of Health. And this radio drama airs on like 150 radio stations all over the country. People call in, there's a call-in component where they call in to like to share their own personal stories related to the issues that are going on in the show. It's amazing. Like 70% of people are changing the way they live, right? Fathers talking to their daughters about sex, uh, people going for prenatal visits. I mean, it's amazing what is happening here in the show. And then COVID happens and the, pr the production team can't meet to produce the radio show. Like the actors can't get in a room together. And this went on for a couple of months. And then we started getting photos where 
they are in these larger halls, everyone socially distanced, masked, uh, shielded, but they had to find a way to get together to keep this content on the air. And so I think in all of our productions, what we found really early on, you know, like most people in media, we understand the power of our work and the team has been amazing in just finding creative ways to keep it moving. You know, it's 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 incredible because it's like in this season where folks have been more and more um, distanced uh, there. It seems as if there's a, a higher there's an even higher capacity and appetite or desire for stories. Right. Like because because of the ways that we typically connect in person, we don't have those in the same ways. Yes. And so and, we're trying to figure out ways to supplement. Yeah, go ahead. And it's like make it make sense. That's what yeah. a story does, and especially mm. in this time of complexity. And I just have to go on this little tangent and say Come on. the big issues that I have about the COVID response in the U.S., mm. especially for people that we know are have been historically marginalized and have a lot of reasons to be suspicious about a lot of things that are going on, understandably, mm-hmm. there was not the attention given to making it make sense that mm-hmm. needed to be there. And so we do need it. Like everyone's world is changing. We're not working the same anymore. We're not gathering the same anymore, as you said. You know, the market's all over the place. And I think people are really craving the coherence and the comfort, you know, that a story provides. You know, and so you gave the example. And I mean, around just like trying to figure out ways to be innovative and collaborative to keep the story going. What's something else that you're just like really proud of, of PCI Media the last last year or so? So one of the, okay, so the other, and I'm going to go to East Africa again, uh, Let's Talk campaign partnered with UNESCO, uh, UNFPA, Save the Children, SAFAIDS, great, great team of partners. We were already in the middle of running this 21 country uh, campaign called Let's Talk, Let's End Early and un- Unintended Pregnancy. And, and we had a, a, a distribution plan that really, expected people to be able to come together in community settings because we wanted to facilitate conversation. And then COVID happened and schools shut down across the region, people were at home. And in around this issue particularly, that creates more of a risk for girls to become pregnant early. They're not in school, they're at home, uh, either unsupervised or with people in their community that are going to do them harm. And so we really shifted our distribution strategy to local radio uh, and a webinar series, right? What are other ways that we could still bring people together and and engage them in conversations so that they could figure out how to, you know, live their best life in their own their own way? You know, it's impossible, I think, to have a discussion around, you know, social good um, at the structural level without discussing public policy. You know, you talk about the education and background you come from. Can we talk about, you know, your hopes uh, of this new administration, if you have hopes? I mean, you know, people have different perspectives on that. I have uh, hopes. I'm hopeful. Well, g- God bless you. I hope, hope for both of us. Um, but, but what are your hopes of this new administration and what it means for community engagement, particularly uh, for black and brown communities? Yeah. So, you know, when I... I have to start at home, you know, and, and, you know, PCI, we work in 70 countries around the world. And one of the things that my heart really hopes for is that we do more work at home, but you asked about the administration. So just to frame, I'm going to, I'm going to start at home. My hope is that 
there is real engagement. Like people know when you're really engaging with them or when you're just checking a box, when you're just, you know, having the community forum because that's what everybody thinks we're supposed to do. When you're just doing the like politician influencer video because that's the, the cute or trendy thing to do. People recognize that. They recognize inauthenticity, right? And so authentic engagement is what I would hope for. I would also hope that this administration, especially around the big development problems in the world, recognizes that relationship between, like we are whole, it, we're one world really. I mean, and, and you know, there are borders on a map, but really what impacts one people in another place impacts us here at home and vice versa. And you know, when we think about what's happening in the Northern Triangle right now, the migration, there's relationship and, and we cannot work and set policy in ways that doesn't acknowledge those relationships first. And, and that would be my hope. Gumbo, Misha. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm hoping so, you know, and, and I'm going to, I am going to keep speaking into these things with love. It's really the way that I orient to the world and um, sometimes it takes a little longer to be heard and, and to penetrate because people are, are respond to, you know, other other forms of engagement a little differently. But I, I'm a person that believes there there's not a pathway to peace. Peace is the way, you know, you walk in the way that that you want. That you know, as Dr. King said, you know, the the means have to cohere with the end. Mm, come on now, uh, you know. So I'm talking to you. Um, you're, you're a black woman in this space, uh, leading a nonprofit. Um, it's interesting how, um, how that representation nonprofit is so white. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think about it like, you know, you walk down the aisle and, you know, let's say I don't do this. I make my own mashed potatoes from scratch and my wife does. Thank uh, you. Glory to God. But let's just say, you know, everybody's ministry is different. So you go down the aisle and you get the box mashed potatoes. And then you look at the picture of the box and it's got the big old pot of mashed potatoes. And it's like, you know, yes, mashed potatoes everywhere. And then it's like a little square of butter in the middle. And then it's like a little dash of pepper, pepper on dash. top of the butter. And that's how I feel like, you know, representation is for y'all and us in these nonprofit spaces. Like, what does equity look like? Yes. What does equity look like? It doesn't look like current state. I mean, it looks like a lot of things different. It looks like boards of directors is where I would begin that look very different. That's something that we're working on right now at PCI Media. Uh, it, I think leadership is one thing, but I think across the space, we need to be asking ourselves, why, what is the talent track? Like if we're thinking about nonprofit work, it, you know, I think of it as, as a vocation, like I, and I think about public education in the same way. And I think just as we're, you know, concerned about STEM pipelines for black and brown people, we need to be saying, where are all of those spaces where our communities need to be represented? And how are we helping people understand that there are pathways into these places? And the boards of directors are a big place where this begins. The other place I think, because people, the nonprofit world really responds to funders is philanthropists can do a lot of good work by making it part of their funding requirements that diversity, equity, and inclusion work in nonprofit organizations is part of the funding requirement. 
So yes, we're funding you for this program. And while you're at it, we also expect you to work on this. You, you know, your organization is too homogeneous and you need to work on that. And we need to start holding each other accountable just from day one on those issues. Come on, accountability. You know, I tell you, folks don't like that word, Misha. They don't like applying it, you know? No. Goodness gracious. Anyway. But, you know, they don't like it because this is my theory. And, come on, you know, give it to me. Because I'm, I come from public education, we are big mm -hmm. on, a, you know, big on accountability. <laughs> but I think there are different ways to hold people accountable. And I do really believe in accountability with love. I, mm -hmm. I do. I believe mm -hmm. that accountability is not about blame. Accountability is not about exclusion. Real mm -hmm. accountability is about strengthening. Mm -hmm. And if that's not how it feels, then it's not accountability. Mm. It's, pro it's abuse. It's something else. But it's not accountability because real mm. accountability is about how do we make this better for everyone? That's mm. the question that drives it. Ooh. Yeah. Goodness that's gracious. Ooh. Okay. Uh, look, you know, I told you we weren't going to tarry long. All right. I wanted to have yeah. this time. Um, let's look at the next 12 months. What are you most excited about? Like, give me your give me your top three things. Oh my goodness, what am I most excited about? So I am most excited at this very moment about PCI Media's engagement in the Partnership for Central America, which is a public-private partnership in response to Vice President Harris's call to action in the Northern Triangle. Uh, it's it's just like work that people need right now. So I'm so, so excited about that. I'm also excited about a series that we are launching with the Universal Healthcare Foundation of Connecticut. You know, as I mentioned, we're really thinking, working to expand our work in the US. So that's really exciting. And universal healthcare, of course, is a topic that's very important to black and brown communities. So, uh, but also learning some interesting things you know, where people are saying, and again, I said, we do our work with people. We tell our stories with people. People are saying things like, you know, it's hard for me to get behind universal healthcare because I don't like the healthcare that I have now. And if, if you're telling me I'm going to get more of that, if I'm going to get more of that dismissive structure, that's not for me, I don't want it. So, I mean, really doing this work in places that helps us to reframe the way that we think we're going to organize our life. And I think COVID has really opened up some spaces for us to do that across the board. Well, you know, I just, I mean, I got to shout out, you know, a few things. First of all, shout out to you, shout out PCI Media, shout out the educators, and also shout out to people like you leading PCI Media, thinking about things in non-colonialist and imperialist frames. Like that's really important. And, um, you know, I just want to thank you for being a guest here. We consider you a friend of the show. Um, and uh, look, you're welcome back anytime. Oh, please. I would love to have more conversations with you. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm you can't see it, but I am blushing. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. We'll talk soon. And we're back. Yo, shout out to Misha Brown. Shout out to PCI Media. Shout out to Tristan. Thank you all so much for listening to Living Corporate. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes to learn more about PCI Media, what they got going on. Connect with Misha Brown directly through our LinkedIn. See the link in the show notes. Make sure, um, if you haven't already, to check out our content on LinkedIn Learning. We have a ton of 
uh, learning that we're dropping and we're working on in coordination and collaboration with LinkedIn. It's been a pleasure, um, really exciting stuff that we're doing there. Make sure you check out our merch at livingcorporate.shop. And uh, yo, if you haven't already, if you're not aware, make sure you're tuned in to our series with Live Ramp. All right, um, that picks up again. Um, you actually should uh, next week, but you also should be able to check out a blog this week that we dropped. Right. So just shout out to the whole live ramp team. Shout out to everybody, man. Like, straight up, like this is a season of gratitude and reflection for me as most uh, falls are. As Michael Scott said, I find the fall to be the most uh, contemplative of seasons. <laughs> oh, boy. Hilarious show. Anyway, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. This has been Zach. We'll catch y'all next time. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.